Welcome back to another edition of Corn Nation Radio. I am your host, Patrick Gerhardt, and today we get the athletic Stuart Mandel, the college football guru that you all know and love. Stuart, happy Scott Frost Day. Can you explain to me the Scott Frost Day thing? I, I, that's the <laughs> second time somebody's mentioned it to me, and I don't actually know what, what the – I'm going to sound dumb on a Nebraska podcast, but what it, why is it Scott Frost Day? Uh, not a problem. It's, it's basically a joke. Uh, it started out when Scott Frost first started coaching here at Nebraska. Uh, our governor declared September something uh, Scott Frost Day, and it okay. kind of turned into a joke on the Internet. And I think the shutdown full cast ran with it. Oh, and, gotcha. Yeah, and it just kind of blew up. In this past few, couple months, us at Coronation kind of were like, well, let's try to reclaim it because, well, why not? So we're claiming every day is Scott Frost Day here. We even changed our daily news dump as Scott Frost Day News. So we're having fun with it. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I remember what was Bo Pelini Day it was like October 4th or, you know, 10 4. It's something with four in it. I think it was nine, it's 9 4. September. So that makes 4th. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we still celebrate that too. So, you know, okay. any holiday is good for us. <laughs> I'm so guessing anyways, nine and four sounds really good right now. It is. Oh, you have no idea. And we'll get into that later in the show. So Stuart, how have you been? And more importantly, what are your thoughts on this college football season? It's been kind of fun lately. It's been great. Uh, you know, I was so looking forward to just having bands in the stands and bands and all that stuff. And that absolutely, you know, I think the first week Penn state, Wisconsin, when they did jump around was kind of the moment where everybody was like, Oh yeah, college football is back. But on the field, it has delivered tremendously. Uh, you know, I think the last couple of years, people have felt like the sport has been kind of anticlimactic. Uh, but to have Clemson out of the picture four weeks into the season Oklahoma and Ohio state having, uh, issues, uh, and just, just so many upsets, you know, I think every, every weekend of the first four weeks has, has been, uh, has delivered in terms of entertainment value. In terms of top games, you mentioned Penn state, Wisconsin, are there any other ones do you think that have helped shape this technically first fourth of the seasons over already? You know, what are some of the games that you saw that really kind of define the season so far? Well, one of the defining games was one I was actually at, which was Ohio State, Oregon. Uh, I feel like that was a real landscape changer in that Ohio State's one of those teams you expect to be in the mix every year, and maybe they still will be. Uh, but it was hard to come away from that, not really concerned about their defense. They've obviously since demoted their defensive coordinator. And then while the Pac-12 as a whole has not been good, uh, for them to have a top three team and a team that could be in the playoff mix all year is also uh, a lot different than we've seen uh, certainly from that conference in the past several years. And then, uh, you know, other, other, you know, really notable game. I mean, I think every game Clemson has played has been an adventure uh, and really just uh, surreal to see this team that we've come to expect with just going back to uh, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, certainly to just roll people. Uh, barely be able to score a touchdown. So, you know, I think, and then Arkansas, uh, both the Texas and the Texas A&M games, to me, they're the, you know, the, the darling of the first month of the season. No, I would, I would have to agree, especially with Arkansas. They've just, they've blown me away. And I think they've blown everybody else. 
um, just in terms of the expectations that we all had for him. Uh, you know, with the past couple of weeks, you said, you know, there's been a lot of upsets. There's been a lot of surprise teams. You know, as the college football playoff sits right now, who do you kind of see as kind of being the contenders? It's hard not to look at Georgia and Alabama and think they're both going to make it in. I mean, they're the number one and two teams now. Both of them are playing games this week that they could lose. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, uh, coming to Penn State. I know they're big point spreads, uh, but those I expect, at the very least, I expect Ole Miss to give Alabama fits. I'm not sure yet about Arkansas. So, you know, when you look at the picture, the ACC is basically already out of it. So that creates a spot either for, uh, could create a spot either for two SEC teams or you've got Cincinnati sitting out there with a huge game this week against Notre Dame. And if they win it, having already beaten Indiana, I think the possibility of undefeated Cincinnati making the playoff becomes a little more realistic. Wow. No, and they've got a good enough schedule to where they could probably make that happen, don't you think, in the long run? I mean, it's hard to say that when we've seen the committee just seems to have a ceiling for a group of five teams. I think it'll depend on – mainly it'll depend on what where Indiana and Notre Dame end up. And right now, you know, Notre Dame has their flaws – They've had some close calls with their 4-0. Uh, I fully expect them to be at least a 10-2 and kind of team. So that if, if they can beat them in South Bend, that's a huge win that you just don't usually see um, these, these group of five type or near six candidates. You just don't, you know, they, they might beat a, a Pitt. I'm thinking of UCF, a Pitt, a UNC. They don't usually beat a Notre Dame. Uh, but Indiana has a lot of problems, and I, I'm not sure, you know, if they're going to be much north of 500 by the end of the year. So um, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's hard to imagine a Cincinnati getting in certainly over an SEC team, but, but if, if the big 12 kind of knocks each other out, if uh, certainly if Oregon, uh, I would, I think Oregon with the Ohio state win gave itself uh, room to lose a game and be okay, but not certainly not too. So um feels it's just good to talk about this and realize that it feels a lot more wide open than it has the past few it's a lot more exciting that's for sure especially this early in the season uh let's let's move over to the big 10 you sir for folks at home who don't know are a northwestern alumnus and nebraska our beloved huskers play northwestern this upcoming saturday it's been a series that honestly, to me, though nobody else will admit it, is more of a rivalry than any of the other Husker rivalries that we have in the Big Ten. I was not uh, aware of that. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> nobody pre- predicted it, but uh, yeah, yeah, believe I've actually written wrote an article on it earlier this year about how I, I firmly believe that Nebra- uh, Nebraska Northwestern is the number one Big Ten rivalry for, for Nebraska, at least, just well, based on I the pure fact that, that it's been fun. <laughs> well, I can tell you from the Northwestern side of it, it bugs the Northwestern fans to no end that Nebraska gets referred to as NU and they get referred to as NW, uh, you know, in the, in the cryons or the you know, score bugs on the games, you know. So if that's part of it, I it's a very nerdy thing that is very appropriately Northwestern to be like, that's our rival because people keep calling them NU and we're NU. Yeah. And that goes back to the big eight uh, way back. Like I think in the fifties and sixties, when I think it had to do with basketball between KU, Kansas Mm -hmm. and UK, Kentucky, 
And I think K, you know, cause they're both university of Kentucky, university of Kansas and the Kansas flipped it. And I think that the conference just kind of went with it because it, it's OU it's CU it was MU, you know, it's, it's all those yeah. schools, but none of them call themselves Colorado university, Oklahoma university. It's all university of Oklahoma, university of Nebraska. And no, Nebraska still likes to call themselves NU because of that. And uh, yeah, we know it bugs you. And for some reason we don't care either. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, but it's, yeah. but it's fun. I don't know. It's, it's always been a good game. How is this year's Northwestern team? A work in progress. Uh, they lost as much as any team in the country, I think, other than BYU from last year. So you expected there to be a bit of a setback. Um, I think it's, it's amazing that one quarterback can have such a big difference, but really Peyton Ramsey coming in last year from Indiana, is is what helped them go from three and nine to top 10 team and now with him gone they've tried three different quarterbacks so far some of due to injury and it's it's none of them have really stood out so um they've got a really good running back evan hall who uh had a big game this past weekend defense is not as dominant as it was last year but i think um you know it's not necessarily terrible either though it certainly struggled first half against duke so you know, I don't think anybody thinks this team will approach what last year's team did and reach the Big Ten championship. But the interesting thing about, I feel like every year, certainly my Northwestern friends, every year in September are like, this team's going to go three. This team's terrible. They usually, this is the first year they haven't lost to an, you know, like a MAC team or an FCS team. Uh, and then they end up going like seven and two in the Big Ten. Something about Pat, Pat Fitzgerald teams, they start slow and then they usually get better as the season goes along. Um, will that start this week? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they look a lot different in uh, October and November than they have the first few weeks. If this Northwestern team, which is rebuilding, and like you said, has historically started out the year slow and has built momentum as, as the year gone on, what, what would be the three strengths this Northwestern team has that could probably give Nebraska fits? Hmm. I mean, I certainly think they can run the ball and, um, you know, Evan Hall doesn't really get mentioned as one of the better running backs in the big 10, but I think he'll be looked that way soon. Um, the secondary Brandon Joseph was a all American as a, as a redshirt freshman last season. So, um, he's a strength as well. I don't know if I can give you a third one. I mean, they, uh, Duke just ran the ball down their throat. Uh, and like I said, the passing game's a real concern. Um, if they could get Andrew Marty back, he's, he's always been kind of an afterthought in their quarterback picture, but then when he does get to play, he's, he's usually the best one, uh, cause he's more of a dual threat guy. Uh, I think if it's Ryan Holinsky again, uh, you know, that, that you wouldn't give, you know, he's not going to put a, put a scare into Nebraska. I don't think. If you know th this week, it's a six thirty game on Saturday, which kind of blows me away because. Nebraska's gotten very used to playing 11 a.m. games the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the Big Ten. That's uh, that's the standard. Yeah, no, it's and when you're no longer you're no longer a top 25 team, those are the slots you get. So, um, you know, between these two teams, how do you think this game's going to match up on Saturday? Well, I think Nebraska is getting better, and obviously. They just keeps, you know, self-inflicted wounds. They just, it's, it's like Scott Frost says, it's the same movie. 
But, you know, if you look at the last two weeks, they were with, they, they lost one score games to top five Oklahoma team and to a Michigan State team that I think is, is actually pretty good, um, you know, that I think could actually end up contending for the for the Big Ten East. And obviously they basically had that game one and then the, the punt return. So, uh, you know, it's hard for me not to favor Nebraska in this one. But obviously, as you guys know, um, they need to get out of their own way because uh, Northwestern's actually every pretty much every year one of the least penalized teams. They're usually, you know, like they don't they don't beat themselves. They just have a bit of a ceiling usually in terms of how good they can be. But um, you know, in terms of where those two teams are at this moment, you know, I know you know Nebraska is the team with the losing record, but Nebraska to me, especially on defense, has been playing better uh, than their record indicates. Good. Any projections on final score? Um, let's see here. Is it going to be high scoring? Is it going to be a low scoring? I, I would expect it to be low scoring. I don't think Northwestern has by any means a high octane offense. They, you know, the formula for, for Pat Fitzgerald, certainly when they, uh, I mean, I think they, they went to the big entire game last year. And I think every, almost every game was like 27, 24, they've scored 24, 23, something like that. So I'm um, looking here in the over under is 50. So that tells me they're expecting like a, you know, 20, 27, 21 kind of game. That sounds about on par for the history of the series. So, so Stuart, thank you again for coming on board. Why don't you tell the listeners at home where they can find you? Um, I'm with the athletic, a uh, great subscription sports site that happens to be 50% off right now. Uh, you can go on any article on the athletic and get that. And then I hope if you like listening to podcasts, I co-host the audible with Bruce Feldman, uh, get that wherever you listen to podcasts. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.